I never grew up with educators that look like myself. So I feel like, honestly, like we are that new wave that make being wise, being smart, being educated cool, right? Wisdom is, is a powerful tool, but oftentimes we might neglect it because of who it's coming from, you feel me? But if we can top it up with a young buck and really implant a seed, man, like that's, it's more than just education at that point, you know what I'm saying? What's going on, beautiful people? This is the Let's Grow Together podcast, where diverse individuals and communities come to serve, connect, and grow in areas that they're most passionate about. Back like we never left, brother Marcus. Check in with the people. Let them know how you doing today. What's going on, family? Good to be back with y'all as always. And as always, we got another banger for y'all today, man. Super solid brother The James will introduce us to shortly. But I'm, I'm vibrant as always, man. Another good week under the belt. Looking to make the transition in the role. It's official, you know, on the 13th. So uh, another great opportunity to develop. Um, we're having a session Thursday about lust versus love with the youth, which is which is always going to be, you know, a, a good topic. Um, and we're in the midst of just looking into a few grants to expand the impact in the city, bro. So work is always nonstop, man. The ball is rolling. So so very good, man. How about yourself, James? How, how you and the guys? Hey, man, you know, I'm blessed and highly favored, man. And first and foremost, kudos to you on the transition. I know that this um, work is more in alignment with the foundation. Um, so I think it'll be a tremendous help with the impact that you and Roots are looking to have. And, and man, just, just blessings to you. But man, I'm, I'm, I'm phenomenal. You know, these Tuesdays be my long days, man. I didn't have four different sessions today. Um, but the impact with the youth has been phenomenal. Um, we had another dope session with South Suburban College where um, some of the, the older folks in the group, we were talking about those ABC goals. And uh, it was just super dope just to hear some of the seagulls from some of my elders and um, just just really kind of knowing like the level at which you set your goals or the, the, the bigger your goals, the, the more I know that you believe in yourself and your abilities. So it was just interesting to hear from some of those older folk. But um, but man, I'm blessed, man. Um, I could I could talk about this all day. But man, today we got a phenomenal guest, um, somebody that's that's really near and dear to me. Um, he's one of my mentors. Um, and we always quote the great Les Brown and saying, sometimes you have to believe in others' belief in you until your belief kicks in. And uh, this was a, a brother that believed in me when I didn't see the full picture. I didn't see my full potential. Um, but without further ado, I would like to bring on my brother, my mentor, Dr. Byron Martin. Oh, hello, hello. It's good to be with you brothers today. How are y'all doing? Doing well, man. Appreciate you blessing the space. Oh man, it's good to be with y'all and be in, in time and be able to kick it with 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 James and, and Marcus and just appreciate what y'all are doing from afar. So I've I've been inspired by y'all so and the work that you're doing. So I, I definitely appreciate being able to be in in this space with y'all uh, today. That's love. Well, go ahead and um tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So um Byron Martin. I'm uh, originally from Mesquite, Texas, which is on the east side of Dallas. Uh, grew up there. Um, just uh, a, a perfect, uh, I always joke, uh, I'm half city and half country, and that's what made it work out in Texas. Um, but grew up there, uh, went to school out in West Texas, a, a space called Abilene Christian University, played football uh, uh, there for years and, and then worked there afterwards uh the bulk of my work and time there was in uh multicultural education multicultural programs um jumped from there up to um 
Northwest Indiana uh, to School of Valparaiso University. Uh, that's where I met and connected with with James. Was at at Valpo, um, and I was there for about eight years. Uh, different spaces and positions. Uh, started off in multicultural programs, moved up to intercultural or international, uh, where I oversaw not only the center uh, there, but also our international sites, as well as um, our international students and scholars that are coming in. Um, ended up as an interim VP for DEI there and jumped, made the move from there to uh, Carnegie Mellon. I think my heart's work is uh, surrounding issues of, of equity. I think I've always just been one of those people that have been, uh, I, I can't stand people being done wrong. It's like one of those things that when you see it, I just, I get, I get this really angry. Um, and according to my parents, I've been that way since I was a kid. Uh, so uh want to see everybody have what they need to, to survive and, and to make it, um, especially, especially folks that look like, look like us um, in this U.S. context. So. Uh, it's kind of my passion. Uh, I still do work uh, connected to um, ideas of equity, uh, freedom recovery fund, where we're trying to put dollars in the hands of uh, people to make a down payment on a house, get their education, um, I start a business. And so we have uh, some work that we're doing uh, still in Northwest Indiana connected to to that. Um, that I'm, I'm still connected to just because it's important and, and good work. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> so, uh, I'll go ahead. Go. You got it, brother. Now, so, so let me ask you this, boss, just, just hearing you out, right? The, the DE and uh, multicultural space. How did you find yourself uh, aligning with that, right? I know that's an extremely popular uh, arena now that a lot of people a couple of years about didn't really know about, right? So, so mm-hmm. speak on that for me. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question, and I do I do believe like like it's now the new hotness, and I and I I'm like finally because I was doing it when it wasn't hot, uh, when people were like, "You do what?" When my dad was like, "Hello, son, you do what?" Like those words don't make any sense. What do you do now? I need to understand. Uh, but I think the 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 true alignment happened from my undergrad um, because there was an office on my undergraduate campus that was dedicated to helping. Uh, minoritized and underrepresented students make it through a predominantly white institution. Um, and uh, the director there at the time was just a, a wonderful, brilliant sister that was always checking up on me, made sure I had what I need. And I connected in uh, to that office. And so as I started thinking about what I wanted to do professionally and as a career, I wanted to work in higher education and I probably went through several um, different careers that I wanted to have, um, but um, I ended up seeing that there was this nexus in higher education where I could really, I could fulfill my want to do counseling for people that look like me and to make sure that their heads and their minds and their hearts were uh, syncing up together uh, I could also fulfill my need to be entrepreneurial and create something that needed uh, to be in the space, um, as well as my passion, you know, surrounding like the idea of ministry, right? Like to have a ministry field that was kind of dedicated to me and higher education ended up being like the intersection of all those. 
Um, and more specifically, because of just how I'm built, um, the space surrounding ensuring um, that marginalized folks had um, uh, the ability to connect in in spaces where they historically haven't was was huge for me. Um, and that's kind of what took me into that work. Um, I joke, though, but I think seriously, like that work actually started for me when I was a kid. Um, I see so many different points where it happened in my life. Like even, you know, the the concept, I tell this as a joke, when I was a kid growing up in Mesquite, I remember, I think it was like first or second grade, um, some kid had come to school and he was throwing rocks at me on the playground, uh, you know, saying things like, all Blacks were born in trash cans and uh, throwing rocks at me. And I, I just remember... Um, literally picking this kid up and tossing him down the slide, right? Like tossing him down the slide, right? And so, um, you know, I ended up in the principal's office and then my, you know, my mom worked at the school. So the principal was like, you need to go to your mom's room. And, you know, you have the conversations and you tell everybody what happened. But it was like from that moment, you know, like, ah, we're not going to stand for that. You know, we're not going to be in spaces where folks are allowed to be mistreated. Um, and so we got to, you know, we got to, we got to move differently. Um, and I think what this move was for me and DI is to start thinking about those small uh, moments of mistreatment, but to look at that in a more structural and systematic way, right? Like, so what, what does that look like in terms of policies, procedures, and protocols where that mistreatment is written into our, our policies? So that's kind of what took me into that realm. Um, and I think that's what's like kind of kept me there is being able to take it and, and look at it from a systems view. Man, that's, that's super dope, Byron. And I, and I got to give you your kudos for the work that you do. Cause when we work with a lot of the youth that we work with, um, we teach a lot of restorative justice practices, right? And within those practices is the understanding that the more you know about someone else, the less likely you are to harm that person. Mm -hmm. And when you tell that story about the young man that was throwing rocks at you um, and you threw him down the slide, like if you guys were to just have a conversation and really get to know one another, I think that that issue could have been avoided, right? Because um, there was just a, a difference in understanding at that point. But something that you've always been tremendously, um, that's been tremendously important to you is the underrepresented minorities and them not only appreciating their cultures, but appreciating others' cultures as well. Talk to what influences you had that that led you to that. Because I know you talked a little bit about the how you got into the multicultural space, spaces, mm -hmm. but like what led you to say, like, I don't want you to just know about where you come from, but I want you to also understand where people around you are coming from so that we can connect and have a, a valuable conversation and dialogue. Yeah, I think that's that ministry churchy side, right? Like, so that's that, that's definitely the ministry churchy side of it. And I think, um, for me, like every, we all have a history that's deeply connected to why we ended up to where we are, right? Like you, you didn't just get here on your own, right? And when we start to explore those things, there's so much that comes from that history informing our lives, right? When I can know your history, when I can know what has shaped you and what has molded you in a certain way, then I can look on your life and you can look on my life and we can look on each other's lives 
with an air of grace that says, you know what, all of this isn't your fault, right? Like, Byron, all of this isn't on you. You know, there are some people that molded this into you, that shaped you in this way. Um, but I also think it's like this interesting idea of, um, and not to go like totally religious, but this idea that um, God is speaking to each of us in these incredible ways and speaking life into spaces in incredible ways. And one of the ways that he does that is through the histories that people make it through. Um, and so I get a better picture of who God is when I'm connected with others and their stories and how those stories inform them and their lives and what they see. And I get a better picture of that for me. And so I think part of the, the, the practicing of that is um, I want to know you as someone that's been created by a creator at this specific time in this specific context to do, do what it is that you do. So I, I get to know something that's vastly different than anybody else. And I, I think that's, I think that's neat, right? I think that's neat when we see how those intersections can really shape what we do. Now, from a social justice standpoint and restorative justice standpoint, when I know your history, I see where we have uh, points of intersection where we can do work together, right? Where uh, when I know your history and when I know, you know, where you're coming from, I know your culture, I can say, oh my gosh, this is probably affecting you in a similar way or in this way where it's affecting me. And we can have dialogue about that and see how we can bring our energies and our strength together and our resources together to do the critical work at that time, right? Um, we call it, you know, in, in, in the book, we would call it interest convergence. But like when I, know your, when I know your culture, I know your history, I can see where our interests would potentially converge and we can do work together. Uh, um, and then I can also be mindful not to do harm because I am aware of your history. If I know that you, uh, you know, got an issue with, you know, being up, being locked in closed spaces, why would I intentionally do something to put you in a closed space, right? If I know your history, well, on an individual level, that makes sense. When we think about that on a cultural level, right? If I know that culturally you've had issues in these spaces, why would I do something like that to harm you? And so it allows me to actually practice a better version of humanity. I, I love that perspective. And I can tell that you really care, right? And I think that's the difference from a lot of uh, professionals now, nowadays uh, versus prior to. You are genuinely passionate about the individuals you work with and you really want to support them in, in that arena. And I, I, I like that philosophy. I want to ask you, is there a way that you incorporate that just from networking and being able to build your network as of yet, right? Because you, you referred to, to the convergence, right? Uh, I heard you mention a little bit earlier about the intersections of all your passions. But I want to ask you, do you incorporate that same mentality with uh, with networking with different individuals just within the society within the community and really just building uh, those relationships personally outside of you know the actual work and what you do yeah i think i think yeah naturally um it, it spills over i think one of the things that we do when we when we network 
is like, and I, this is for me, let me just talk for me. I'm constantly thinking about how can I, me and my talents and what I have in terms of resources, how can that bring, you know, uh, health and success to someone else and, and vice versa? How can what they bring to the table, you know, bolster me up? Um, and I think part of that is those, those interest convergence. Like I, I, I say this with with my partners all the time, right? I can't, like, very rarely will I keep space with goofies, right? Like, very rarely will I keep space with folks that um, don't have a sincerity about them because that's dangerous to the work that I'm trying to do. That's dangerous to even how I maintain relationships um, because, uh, you know, I don't don't want people to confuse um, what I'm about, (laughs) Right. And so one of the things that we do and that I do, um, I think naturally is saying, hey, what what is it that you're passionate about? What is it that moves you? What is it that um, has shaped you? Um, and how can we connect on that? Um, there's a group of brothers that I have had since college. Um, and the you know the running joke is that we always tell when we get together we always you know talk and tell the same stories over and over again and our wives hate it they're like okay we heard the story here comes the punchline boom you know and they're like can we here can we get to like some other stories or, or make some new ones uh, but the truth of the matter is the reason we tell those same stories is because it's a constant reminder of what connected us and what strengthened us and what we made it through as a as a group, as a small community. And so I think when we network, we're networking with this idea that we're building community, um, not just for community's sake, but we're building community for the health and well-being of ourselves yeah, for times that we don't even know that are coming, right? Um, so... No, I love that because um, when I think about when when I'm with the foundation and we're going to networking events, we do exactly what you said. Like we're we're trying to figure out what are you passionate about. Does that in line with what we're passionate about, and how can we help each other? Because I think that the best networking happens when there is an even exchange of um, it might not even be even all the time, right? But there is some form of exchange happening there. Um, but I just want to again give you kudos because when I think back to our time at Valpo. I think it was your influence that helped my group of friends a little bit. Cause I talk to Marcus about this all the time. Like I had one of the most diverse groups of friends on campus. Like, you know, I had my African-American brothers. I had my Creole brothers. I had a couple Asian friends. I had um, Vietnamese, Asian, same, same difference. Um, But um, I had so many different groups of friends. And I think part of the connection that we shared was because like, we would literally want to, sit at a table and really get to pick the brain and understand an individual and see why they make the decisions that they make. And I think oftentimes when you find those intersections within each other, that, that bolsters that, that relationship that helps that synergy. And then you're able to produce some super dope stuff out of that. So, so just got to give you your kudos in that. But um, I know that you, you talked about being um, the assistant vice provost of of DEI at um, Carnegie Mellon. Like what? What do you plan on doing in that role, or what type of work are you doing in that role that um, are helping continue these types of conversations? Yeah, it's a great question. First of all, thank you for the kudos. First of all, uh, I think y'all naturally did some of that yourselves too. 
Um, so y'all made life a little bit easier uh, for me. Um, at Carnegie Mellon, my, my job is a little bit different, right? Like I, I, I get to situate my work at a enterprise level. So we're thinking about the entire system um, of, of Carnegie Mellon um, and how we think through issues of diversity. And when we say diversity, I'm talking about who is present in the spaces that's that's there, right? Who is physically present, who's represented. Uh, when we talk about equity, we're talking about um, uh, how are people represented? Do they have the same opportunities um, to succeed and be successful? Um, and then inclusion, can they come into that space as their whole selves, unapologetically them, right? Um, and so when we think about that, we're thinking about that at an enterprise level. So I'm thinking not just uh, at our university here in Pittsburgh that has eight different colleges connected to it, but I'm thinking about all of our uh, satellite campuses around the world. So our campus in California, we have one in, in Qatar. I literally just got back from Qatar two weeks ago, uh, visiting our campus there. We have one in Rwanda, uh, one in uh, in Spain, um, right? We have a whole section dedicated to the Department of Defense and our DOD contracting and stuff. So like when we think about that, we're thinking about it at an enterprise level. So what type of policies do we need to put in place to make sure folks can come holistically as themselves? And so that's where I get to situate a lot of my work. So a lot of my work and trainings and things right now are saying, how do we create an environment for not only students, but students, faculty and staff to be effective and successful, be holistically themselves um, and have an equitable um, experience at the institution. Um, from, uh, like I said, from any point of access to the institution. So whether we're talking about um, admissions, hiring or promotion, all the way through uh, them becoming alums uh, and retirees of the institution, right? Like how, how are they experiencing that space? So. Um, things that we're working on are things as big as um, gender inclusive bathrooms, restrooms, right? Making sure that folks can like, it seems so simple, right? But like folks can go to the bathroom if, and at least have a feeling of safety as they in the bathroom, right? Like that's that's an important bodily function, right? Like you need to be able to go to the bathroom at least be safe in the, in the, in the, in the bathroom, right? Um, you know, things of that nature to, um, issues of uh, of compliance uh, to uh, even policies like connected to um, how we, uh, how students gain admissions to the institution, right? And how we make those selections, how we hire, right? Like who's, who's, who's getting a job, who's getting promoted, how we're thinking deeply and critically about that. Um, right now, the, you know, the center that um, what would, would correlate to our, our multicultural center that reports to up to, to to our office, and so how is that shaped? How how is that work happening? What are some of the metrics we're putting in in place there? Um, so that's kind of where the focus is. So how do I get to continue the conversation on day to day? A day to day, my conversations are directly targeted at saying how are we shifting our environment and how are we measuring that to make sure folks are healthy and have what they need. Um, what does that look like on a day-to-day -day for me? Um, and this is something you've heard me say before, James. So it looks like me asking a ton of questions um, every single day and asking the questions that people don't want you to ask in those spaces. 
right? Like, so I get to ask the questions that they're like, you know, after, you know, a year or so now being on campus, they're like, all right, Byron, come on and ask the question so we can realize that we don't have it together. And so they'll just, and they know it's coming because I want to ask the, I have to ask the hard question, right? And so part of it is being positioned high enough in the institution to ask those hard questions um, to keep the the community moving forward. Um, and then being, you know, uh, I think willing to ask that question, even when it's like, when it's not serving the identities that I have, right? Like I'm able-bodied, so I'm not, you know, uh, you know, it doesn't serve me to ask about a ramp, but it's going to serve our broader community for me to ask about how we're thinking about um, physical disabilities and ailments that have to enter that new building we're about to build, right? And so sometimes it's being willing um, to ask questions that you know will never benefit you um, or the identities that you hold in, in that space. So uh, I liked a lot of what you said, right? Being very open-minded and incorporating everybody's perspective for the greater good, right? And again, that aligns with your why. That's so awesome. You were able to find a career path that aligns perfectly with your why. And again, something that a lot of people may not know about. So we'll continue to dive into the DNI. But another thing in what you said was being able to show up in spaces as yourself and being a young black man in corporate. I, I, I like I, I got so happy hearing you say that. And the reason being is I've worked in Sherwin Williams where we 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 had a conversation about people taking a knee and they then they want to boycott me. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I worked in spaces where it was uncomfortable and I had to pivot and I had to code switch and these other components. And I've also worked in a space where I was able to show up as myself and just the vibrations were so much different. So I want to really dive more into that, right? From a DEI standpoint, I know this is something you're passionate about, but why is it so vital for people to be in a position? where they can show up as them? What are the negative components that can come with that, that a lot of our viewers may be in right now? But and how can they free themselves from that? It sounds like you were able to. You were able to find a career which aligned with you. You're able to incorporate all these different components, but a, a lot of under, other individuals may not. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how they are hurting themselves in the long term. Yeah, and I, I'm always careful with this conversation, right? Like, so this is this has been the the core. Like, this was the core of my dissertation, right? Like, so, um, you know, the, you know, issues of stereotype threat and how it affects leadership is literally my dissertation topic. And I know you didn't know that, Marcus, but now you're getting into my 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 my, my playhouse, right? Like, I think one of the things that like we have to be careful is like everybody is in this world is like trying their best to survive. And when we think about all those histories that created an individual, right? And when I say that, I, I'm, we're taking like the broader like option of systems view, right? That's at play, right? Like so, mama, daddy, uncles, brother, sister, teachers, K through twelve that fed into a person's life, church, um, pee wee football. All these ideas have gone in and at least had a fingerprint on shaping someone's life, on molding them in some way, shape, or form. And then we get through all this training, all this education, all these different ideas, and then folks go into this workspace and try to be um, true to who they are. And at the end of the day, they're trying to be true to who they are and know at the same time 
I got to be able to feed myself at the end of this day. Right. Like I can't like, like that's true to me too. Right. Like, like everybody's like, I want to eat today. Like that, that, that's true to me too. And so one of the things that I've come away with, especially after doing that, that research was there has to be like this phenomenal level of grace with our, our full authentic self. Like I gotta be willing to give myself some grace and say, yes, I am not in a position where I can be holistically myself because of the context that I'm in. And I'm striving to bring um, my work self a little bit closer to who I believe my authentic self is, right? The other way that I also think about this idea is the idea that we are way more complex than we want to give ourselves credit for, right? Your authentic self is not limited to one manifestation. You are a complex individual, right? You 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 can you can navigate three different spaces. So you talked a little bit about code switching, right? Code switching is, while it's a survival technique, it's also a masterful intercultural navigational tool, right? Like, so that's why it's so amazing. That's why I love, I love like black folks, people of color in America, right? We've learned to code switch like from the, 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 the time we were little, right? Um, you know, mama and them used to tell us, you know, hey, you better get in here and act like you got some sense, right? They were teaching us code switching from a really young age. <laughs> Uh, but we learned this skill that we've used for survival, but it's also the same muscle that we would use as we go into other spaces, as we go into other cultures, as I travel internationally, there's a, there's a certain level of code switching that I'm able to do, right? Um, when I'm walking in, um, uh, in Qatar and I have on a thobe, which is the long white uh, robe looking uh, piece in the Middle East with the head, head scarves, and I'm wearing a thobe and um, people come up and talking to me in Arabic because they're like, we figured you was one of us, right? Like, they're like, and I'm like, no, American. they're like, well, you could be one of us, right? Part of that is that, is, 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 is that code switching. And so it's a tool that serves us in a lot of ways, right? And so when we use that um, for our own good, right, to make it through a work day, uh, right, to uh, navigate a boss that may not uh, jive with all my identities, right? When I use that for for my 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 health and my well being. Um, I've learned not to look down on that, right? Not to be critical of that as not being someone's authentic self. They are navigating that space. Now, there does come a time in your life where I do believe because you can exist as authentically you and because of space, influence, style, power, uh, all these other factors, right? You can invite people into your space that you carry with you 
um, that is authentically made for you, right? Um, let me see if I could, the best way I could describe this is, um, it, it'd be the difference of, um, uh, I, I, I guess if I had a imaginary bubble around me that I could invite people in, that's Byron's bubble. Right. And when you come in that bubble, like, hey, it's, it's Byron. It's how Byron interacts. It's how Byron moves. It's how Byron shakes. Right. I have my bubble. As I get more and more confident, as I grow um, myself as an individual, as I move to levels of just not caring about whether I have a job or not, because I have sustained myself in some other ways. Right. As I move to higher levels of freedom not just socially, but also higher levels of freedom within myself, my bubble expands. And as my bubble expands, I now have the ability to provide space for folks to come in and experience Byron. Um, part of that bubble uh, was only, you know, when I was young, that's only for family. Only family got to see all of Byron, right? But as I've grown, I've grown in my capacity to hold more people near me and as I you know myself become more liberated I actually provide space for others to actually start the process of liberating themselves and so part of the work um, that I do day in day out I believe is by being my authentic self is that I've expanded my bubble where whatever room I walk into is at least big enough to fill the room man that's that's, so, that, that's powerful that's 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 powerful um i i didn't mean to cut you off you had something else so you can no. say okay cool 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 but no, i want to say man first marcus man you ask some phenomenal questions like you ask some phenomenal questions because i i saw how my, my brother byron was over there really pondering it and they say that the quality of the question will determine the quality of the answer so so kudos to you marcus um but byron like you are relatively young like you're you're super young but you're so so wise right and, and all the things that you talked about with the code switching and, and Byron's bubble, like that takes a certain level of self-awareness, but also confidence. Because as, you know, a young brother with dreads, I have, you know, my braids now, and you're navigating a super, you're in academia. You know what I mean? Like, how does that, like, how does that level of confidence and self-awareness help you be your authentic self in that space? Because what I think about is, like, I'm going to be honest, when I was at Valpo, I don't know if I would have grew, grew my hair out because I would have had the, I would have thought people were looking at me a certain way. But now I'm at a point where my confidence is, is, is higher. I know who I am. I know where I come from. And this is a crown, right? So, so how do you have the dreads, but still impart wisdom in everything that you do? Yeah, that's a great question. I, uh, I wish I had made it to this space sooner because you would have saw my hair being grown out sooner at Valpo, right? You had already graduated when I grew my hair out at Valpo, right? And one of the things that I, you know, just talking about the hair alone, um, part of me growing my hair out was to provide freedom. Um, uh, uh, I don't know if you remember Ime. He played, he was on the, he was on, uh, he was on the football team and he had, he had, he had, uh, he had locks. Um, uh, he was maybe a, a year or two after Cody, um, mm -hmm. but he was a deep, 
Sounds familiar. Idode. Idode. Oh, Idode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Idode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ime yeah. was another student. Sorry. No, Idode. Um, and he asked me a question once. He said, uh, he said, I'm I'm about to graduate and go into, you know, try to look for a job. You know, he's like, should I cut? You know, I've been growing these for a while. Should I cut these off? Because I, I really want to be able to have a job. And um and this was, it was a tough question for me because I had never experienced locks. So I couldn't talk plainly, right? And, uh, but what I told him was, I said, the question you need to know is when you go into a job space is do you want to work at a place and do you want to give your time and energy in a place that can't navigate you and your locks, right? Do you want to work in that in that type of context or not right if they have an issue then that it's probably best that the hair is not going to be their only issue right and so um you know thinking through that but i said to myself i was like you tell that young man that but you haven't lived that you need to live that right and so that was one of the inspirations of even me even growing my hair out Part of doing that, though, is to also provide freedom for others, right? So nobody can nobody can look um, in in spaces where I exist, in spaces where you know I know a couple of my other brothers exist that that have locks or long hair. Or, you know, I have one brother; he's he rocks an afro, like he rocks the. I'm talking about this joint is ah, you know. I even have one brother; he still got the Jerry curl. I keep saying it's okay to let it go but he holds on to his curl you know um but you can't look in the spaces where we are and say that this hairstyle is unprofessional right you can't look and say that this hairstyle is un is un, unintelligent you can't look and say that it's not put together you can't look and say this is a broke person's hairstyle right you can't look and say any of those things right when you're encountering me, right? You can't look and say, man, that got thug, right? You can't look and say, say those things, right? So part of it is to provide freedom for our people just to say, nah, wear your hair the way you feel comfortable, the way that represents you, the way that, the way that, that you want to, um, and go get your credential as well, right? Like, and I think that's what helps, right? Like, so it's, it's, it's part confidence, but it's part just living through it um, and know that we're living at a time where we're we're freer than the generation that came before us. And so we, we, there, were, there was someone that wore dreadlocks in academia way before Byron did. And, um, you know, I, I think of, you know, cast like that I saw growing up, like Lasana Hotep that wore his locks down to his back and, um, but brilliant, you know, Dr. Hotep, masterful, you know? And so part of that is, is you know, we keep building on the lives of those that came before us that shaped and, 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 and uh, pushed back against institutions and spaces uh, long before we did. We just keep it going so that the next generation can see it too. That's so real, man. We got to pay it forward for, for the next. And that small sacrifice and what you make, you know, is open up the door for those who follow you. And I, I definitely just really resonate with that conversation about being able to be yourself within these spaces. Even just going back to sales, man, being in sales. I've always believed uh, 
the consumer should look like the person who's producing, right? Right. You 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 gotta and you do that within your space. You emulate a lot of the youth and what you represent and what you're servicing, and that's beyond vital. And even when I got in the initial space, I found myself using filler words. I found myself overcompensating, you know. And again, my manager was real enough to set me down, like, yo, like this ain't you. And once I was able to really find my stride and I was able to incorporate me in a space that I didn't feel was traditionally created for me. I found myself thriving, right? And they had me giving giving speeches to others on how to be your authentic self at work. And I was like, look at this, right? But but again, it 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 all comes back to being open minded. I'm glad you gave that advice to that young man. I know that was beyond helpful. I wish somebody would have set me down and said that as well, right? I think oftentimes we feel we have to overcompensate in spaces because of that fear, but because of that, you know, those things we've been taught in our childhood. Right. And how to maneuver certain spaces. But again, just to see you comfortable in your space and your authentic skin, man, I love it. And just kudos to you, because, again, a lot of young brothers and sisters need to see it as well and know that they can do the same. But, James, I know you had a comment, bro. What was your thoughts? Now, I just wanted to kind of kind of piggyback off of what, you know, you and Byron both just said, because um, we work with a lot of at risk and high risk youth. So I thought to myself, like, you know, I always wanted to grow my hair out, but there was always this 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 voice in the back of my head, like, they're going to think you're a thug, especially being at a PWI and having all these tattoos that I had. And the craziest part, I remember when I was like a sophomore at college in college and uh, I was applying to Taco Bell right off of uh, right off campus. And I'm thinking like, man, these, you know, these, these folks about to call me a thug. They're not going to hire me because I got these tattoos and, and nobody ever called me a thug. Nobody ever said anything about me, but I thought that about myself. So I think that you know, even Ido, they coming to you asking you that question that showed him that he was aware enough of his surroundings or the climate to be like, OK, you know, people may think this, but but I'm really about that business. And for me, the growing the hair out was I wanted to represent something to our youth because a lot of them have dreads. Right. Or they have they have long hair. And I wanted them to see like you don't have to be defined by your hairstyle or if you have tattoos like you have value in these spaces. So you were spot on with saying like you know, the hair doesn't define you. And there's people that have come before us that had locks or just had long hair. So I think that's super, super spot on. But, but yeah, man, I appreciate those, those words that you gave you Dode because I think anybody in a similar situation would have appreciated having somebody have their back like that. Yeah. And, and just to add to that, like, I'll say this, right. There is something to be said about saying, no, we have value. Right, like you're not just walking in there as, as some some slouch off the street, right? Like you're not just you're not just walking in there any kind of way, right? And you're going in there uh, with value that you're bringing to someone else's company. If they don't want to recognize that value, kindly get up, shake their hand, walk out the door, knock the dust off your shoes, and go on to the next place right or go create something of your own like i i am huge on this idea that we don't have to cowtail to um an institution right and i think that's the scariest thing right like the um it's what happens after i've made this investment in college and i don't have the job and i don't have one right away what what does it mean for me to go back and live in my mom and daddy's place, at my grandma and granddad's place, right? What does that mean for me? What is I, I'm I'm nervous about all these things that could happen. 
And I just want to, if nothing else resonates today, I'll say this. There is something worse than that. And it's having to go through life hating your context and your situation because you have sacrificed your holistic self to fit in to someone else's picture, right? You you sacrifice everything about you so that now you fit into what they have painted on their walls. And the best thing that we can do is say, you know what, I have value the way that I am and I wanna go to a place that can recognize my value, that can encourage my value, that can increase my value. Like that's that's what it's that's what it's about. That's what it's that's what life is 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 about. Is saying how can I go in spaces where I can increase what I can give back to the world, whether it's through this company, whether it's through my own business, whether it's through my own nonprofit, whether it's through working at someone else's nonprofit. Right? I don't have to always be the CEO. Um, I, I'm fine with being number two, but in that space, it better be a number two where my value is growing and I am in turn growing something that can give back to the community and give back to the world that I'm existing in. So I think that's the Achilles heel, right? That's the important piece. Don't, don't feel like you got to walk into a space and be less than who you are just so you can say, I can... Uh, I satisfied this thing. I got the job. And so I can tell my people I got a job, you know. Yeah, man. Hey, Byron, man, you talking that talk. Uh, You know, I quoted Les Brown earlier, man. He got another great quote that goes, the graveyard is the most rich place in the world because a lot of dreams go there to die. And, you know, another part that I would like to add to that is, you know, somebody trying to please somebody, man, you're going to end up, you know, hurt somewhere, not fulfilling your own dream. So, so kudos to you, man, Byron. We've it's been a phenomenal episode, man. We appreciate you coming in and, and dropping wisdom to our listeners. Um, real quick, if if any of our listeners wanted to to tap in with you, um, pick your brain about some knowledge, potentially, you know, come on a visit to, to Carnegie Mellon University, how could they get in contact with you? How could they tap in? Yeah, definitely. So my my personal, my consulting email is culture, C-U-L-T-U-R-E dot outlast. O-U-T-L-A-S-T at gmail.com. Um, or you can uh, hit me up. My uh, uh, Instagram is Big Argyle. Um, uh, just all lowercase Big Argyle. Uh, it's because I wear Argyle socks still to this day, James. Um, yeah. And uh, and please reach out. Reach out to me. Connect in with me where I can support uh, what someone's doing or what, what y'all are doing. Just let me know. Look forward to it. Appreciate that. And uh, we'll make sure to drop all that into our short show notes so that the listeners can get it. Um, Marcus, we'll let the people know where they can find you at as well. Hey, again, Byron, appreciate you, man. You inspired me that that DNI stepping into that space as, as your full self. You definitely sparked spark me, man, and charged me up. I, I love being able to have conversation like this. So thank you again. Kudos, man. But y'all can tap in with me as always at mastermind underscore Marcus on IG, as well as rootsmentoring.net. Check us out. We dropped the website. Uh, hey. Tap in and let's build, family. Hey, man, you can find me at on IG at jturner0121. You can find the foundation at A Greater Good Foundation on IG. Um, you can also find us at aggf.org. And for the podcast, you can find us on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. 
let's continue to grow together. Let's continue to build together. Again, this is the Let's Grow Together podcast.